My guest on this week's episode of Sudden Search is Amanda Milligan, head of marketing at Stacker. Amanda is an in-demand conference speaker, blogger, and must follow on social media. Amanda is sought after for her expertise in content marketing and link building. You might've heard Amanda present at MozCon, Brighton SEO, State of Search, or PubCon. She's also a great blogger who you can read all over the place. She's written for TechCrunch, Search Engine Journal, SEMrush, and Moz. During our conversation, I wanted to ask Amanda about her presentation at this year's MozCon. She gave a truly excellent talk about link gap analysis. What tools are needed to do a link gap analysis? How do you appeal to link prospects? What's the role of content creators? I'm gonna ask Amanda all these questions and more during our conversation. She also started a new gig at Stacker. I'm gonna ask her how things are going early on. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Amanda Milligan. We'll talk about where most content marketing campaigns die, what SEOs mean when they say link-worthy content, and we'll chat a little bit about why doing link gap analysis is worth all the effort. Amanda Milligan, welcome to Southern Search. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. I just got finished watching your MozCon presentation, which is about finding gaps in your link strategy. So link gap analysis, and then you've got some big news on the professional front too. So we've got a lot of ground to cover. Um, tell our audience just to, to set up the, the conversation. I always skip past definitions and people don't know what we're talking about. Can you define for us what a link gap analysis actually is? Sure. So essentially you can use tools like Moz or many others to do this, but you're basically looking at where your competitors have links that you don't. So you're trying to bridge the gap. That's where the gap comes from uh, to see where you can kind of make up some of that and get a sense of where they're getting their links from to inspire you. Even if you don't get the exact same links that they have, you can get a sense of where they're getting them. Maybe there's different topics you can cover, different websites you can target, et cetera. Awesome. Well, you know, one of the things about your, 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 your presentation was you're really talking about media entities in a lot of it. So it's like CNN, Time, et cetera, uh, are the targets you're looking for. I'm a local SEO, so I don't live in this world very much, and it sounds daunting to me. Can you help kind of demystify it for me and for the rest of our audience in terms of, like, do you have to be an ex-member of the journal, like a recovering journalist to do this? How do you break through to these people? It, that's a, yeah, it's a big question. There is a lot that goes into this. Obviously, there's a lot of interest in it because there's a lot of benefits from getting media coverage. There's just the brand awareness component of it, especially if you're a newer brand or one that's trying to build a lot of traction. Getting mentioned by one of these sites is also a big authority signal. So even aside from the link side, which I'll get to, literally just having people see your name associated with a really well-established publication means that you probably know what you're talking about and that's huge. Um, but yeah, and then there's the link building side. So if you create a really awesome piece of content that they link to, you're signaling to users and to Google that you know what you're talking about. So there's a lot of benefit to it, how to do it. There's, there's a lot that goes into that as well. The MozCon presentation was like a piece of that. It was the strategic piece and then I, I dove into kind of like how to come up with some content ideas in order to close those gaps. But there are a lot of different ways to approach it, which, you know, my new job, which I think we'll chat about at Stacker, takes a different approach to it as well. But it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Most companies don't have the resources or the money or the time to be mass producing newsworthy content. And that's why there's such a need for it for agency help or consultant help. I love it. And I mean, I think the... Something at the end of your talk that you, you made a mention to that it's really about doing this game, link gap analysis, but it's really, I want to just make sure I get, I get this covered right. So 
you ask sort of out loud, is it worth it? Is it worth doing all this? It's a lot of grief. It's a lot of work. You got to create good content. You got to do all this stuff. It's just a table setting conversation. You're like, how worth it is it to get these really high quality links? What can you tell us? Like, what is the big benefit of going through all of this? Sure. Yeah. So the link side, most people, especially if they're doing link building in house or they've contracted or hired somebody who does kind of like mid to low level link building, you know, they'll get a little bit of a boost maybe, but they're seeing that they plateau and they just don't really know what to do about it. They're like, we don't really have, like I said, the resources to create this stunning graphic or this really interesting research that one of the bigger publications is going to be interested in. A lot of people kind of go the traditional PR route, which certainly has its place, especially if you're like a new company, even a new product or a new service and try to get traction there. But then that also dies out. There's just, it's tough to continue to maintain that level of interest in your company. So the benefit of doing this type of work is at any given time, if you're creating something original, newsworthy, uh, you're able to get that publication coverage even if your company is not doing anything thrilling at the time that's any different you might think it's fascinating but the general public or these news publications probably don't care a ton um and the links like i said it's kind of the dual benefit of google understanding the value of what you're doing and users and readers understanding that you're providing value so that's kind of like the 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 win-win situation of this tactic Awesome. Okay. I think that's enough, like kind of uh, setting the table questions. Let's kind of get into how to do this. So there's an assumption here, like your competitors have better backlinks than you, or maybe if you don't have a competitor with better backlinks, you can identify a brand that's building great links. Uh, how do you know? What's the best way to perform that analysis so you can tell like that competitor is better than me or that brand is doing a really good job? How do you even know? Yeah. I mean, all. If you're using an SEO tool, it probably has something that can help you with this. Moz does, Ahrefs does, they all have, you'll see them. They're literally called like gap analysis or link intersect, I think is Ahrefs, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a place to start. Um, and I'm not even talking about like links to specific pages. Like that's a whole other ball game. I'm talking about links to their overall domain. And then there's, the, there's a whole conversation we can get into about internal linking and how important that is because most of the time people are like, oh, I want to get links to this this page that it's high value to us and is where all of our conversions are, but nobody wants to link to those pages. Really, you got to try to get links to your overall domain or other important pages and then link appropriately internally. Um, but yeah, you're looking to see where they're getting kind of their general media coverage, what kind of tactics are they using, and you can use tools like that to figure it out. You also don't need to get the exact links that your competitors have. That's not necessary. If you see a new approach to it. If you're like, oh, I can do this really cool report about XYZ. And I think that this publication would be really interested in it. Like don't feel pigeonholed to do exactly what your competitors are doing. Cause that also just keeps you status quo rather than thinking outside the box and then trying something a little different. That's great. That's a great yeah. advice. I mean, that, so kind of one of the parts of this that I liked is that when you're evaluating your competitors links or that big, that big brands links and assuming you don't have them, it's important to look at why they earned the link. So what sort of story appealed to the media target? You know, is it a product pitch? Was it a human interest story? Yada, yada, yada. That's uh, a great question. Yeah. How, how do you do that? Like, what, what, give me some, the context seems so important and how, why would that be useful? I could think of some things off the top of my head, but I'm curious what you'd say. Yeah. So 
I worked at Fractal for seven years. I talked about this a lot because it was a common question. And now I work at Stacker, which has a similar philosophy about data. So that's, I'll talk about data for a second, because if you're trying to come up with something new, the quote unquote, I want to say easiest, but it's not easy. It's just the, the best way to go about it is to analyze data, because a lot of the time there are data sets out there that really don't make sense to people. Like people aren't just kind of hanging out, looking at data sets and analyzing them on their own. They're looking for somebody else to do that for them. Um, for brands, that can mean internal data as well. You might have some really interesting data that you haven't really been pu like making public or analyzing in a way that is relevant to your audience. Um, so the way Stacker does it, like Stacker is specifically a data-driven news publication. Like if you go to stacker.com, you'll see that everything on their site is data-driven. Yeah. It's, it's stuff that exists online or, you know, it's, it's company data. That is the best way to kind of get at it because there are stories kind of lurking everywhere if people put in the time to analyze them. Uh, so that is what, I mean, it has to be newsworthy, right? If you think about the definition of newsworthy, new is obviously part of that. Relevant, um, localized, if you're on the local side, that's extremely important. There's a lot of different ways you can come at it, but I think data is the easiest way. That's awesome. So that's like when you're going over link-worthy content in this presentation, that's the data is the big, that's a big link-worthy option. Okay, very cool. And uh, you, you go through a lot of different things here, but... One last question. This is, this is a, again, I said I was not going to ask another newbie question, but here it goes. So you made a point that's like, what if your competitors are exclusively doing the press release PR? Do people actually still do that anymore? Is that still something, and is there any benefit to using one of those PR distribution sites that were really popular, I don't know, like eight years ago? Yeah, I mean, people still do it, and I don't, I don't try to hate on it because it has its place. I just think it shouldn't be exclusively what you do, right? Like, you should totally do it if you haven't, if you're a new company, if you have some kind of very new product or service. Like I said, if you have some kind of really impressive acquisition, like if it is news, then by all means, please do that. You should do that. Uh, get whatever coverage you can. But I think a lot of the time where people fall into a trap is they're like, put a press release out for this, and it's something that nobody's actually going to care about. Like, you yeah. care, your company might care, yeah. but you have to, like, sincerely look in the mirror and be like, does anybody actually care about this? Right. And if not, don't waste your time and your money on a press release. Instead, think about how, you know, if it is something you think is cool, how do you create content to tell your direct audience that rather than putting out a press release? Or how do you you know, come up with something that people are going to care about. Like, those are the other questions you should be asking rather than, I don't know, just send a press release out and that's that's our PR. That's our content and we're done. I love it. So, like, so I want to get into this a little bit about creating the content. So you've got the data now. That's really hard and that gives you this huge edge in terms of having link-worthy content. The next step, you got to create some content around it. Tips, suggestions for how you do that? How do you take the data and make it something compelling that people are actually going to want to link to or have make it something worthy of press consideration? Yeah, this is kind of, this is the fun creative part, but it's also really tough. And if you watch this part, the rest of it just gets harder. Like the idea has to be solid. You can't really salvage it later. So if you find, for example, if you find a data set that exists somewhere, ask yourself like just it's like a mindfulness practice almost like what do you want to know from that yeah. like what piques your curiosity you're kind of starting with a hypothesis you can't make the data say what you want it to say 
but you can start with questions like, Oh, you know, I found this data about the most highest, like say you were on Rotten Tomatoes or something and you're like, okay, there's data about like every movie in existence at this point. Like what questions do I have about all these top movies? Maybe it's a certain genre. Maybe it's a certain year. Maybe it's what's the best movie by a certain actor, you know, like what, what, what are you interested in? Start there. Then what do you think your audience is interested in? And you're basically creating a list of these hypotheses. Then you're digging in the data, doing the analysis to see, are you correct? Are you wrong? What's interesting about the results? Sometimes you're going to be doing that analysis and something entirely different is going to pop up that you did not expect. And that's, that's <laughs> gold. That's, <laughs> that's gold. Time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause surprising stuff does really well. So I, it's almost like you don't need to overthink it. It's sincerely what is going to pique the curiosity of folks. That's what's newsworthy. If it doesn't exist, if that question hasn't been answered and it is interesting to people, like just run with it and see what you come up with and, and start digging around. And you might uncover something you didn't even think of when you start that process. Okay. Awesome. Well, I mean, I think we could talk, we could really talk about creating content around this for the entire show, but I want to try and get to like, I want to get to pitching. So we're actually going to have to eventually ask somebody to take take this content and publish it. Uh, in your talk, you suggest this is where most campaigns go to die or where, where the most mistakes happen. What mistakes are people making and how do you avoid kind of falling into those pitfalls? You got a great, you spent all this time, you made a great piece of content, you did all this data analysis. It's such a shame to see it go to waste if you're not effectively pitching to these, to these uh, publications. Yeah, this is where a lot of the time comes in. A lot of the time, people definitely kind of skirt around this and they just send out mass pitches and it's, it's a complete waste. That's the sad thing. It's a complete waste when they do that. Um, so yeah, pitching is huge. Targeting is huge. Understanding. Like it's, it's interesting because like my two, like my fractal experience taught me that targeting is one of the biggest components. It's understanding that you're reaching out to the right people and not, even just like the right publication. It's does that person write about what you're trying to talk about? Um, my stacker experience. So for some background, because I did not know that stacker existed until mm. they reached out to me, did not know mm -hmm. that this was a thing. Uh, they have spent years, I think since 2017, they built their own website. So they are a data-driven news service, right? Um, if you go to stacker.com, that's their news, but they have a syndication network. So they kind of came at it as we need to build these partnerships with other news sites and create the stuff that is going to be interesting to their audience. So in both these cases, that's what you're really thinking about. You're like, what is going to be interesting to this publication's audience? Like that should always be not what's interesting to you or your audience, the publication's audience that you're trying to reach. Hopefully there's alignment between that publication's audience uh, if, if your marketing goal is more down the funnel. But it doesn't have to be. If it's brand awareness, you care about the, the publication's audience. So Stacker has built relationships with publications that trust their content that they syndicate to. So it's, it's been very interesting to kind of see all the different ways you can get at it. But fundamentally, if you don't think about this, then all the content you created is kind of pointless. If its goal was to get press, you're just not going to get it. Isn't that so sad though? I mean, it's like, it's like I feel bad for those great pieces of content that nobody ever read. So, uh, right. <laughs> well, we've been kind of teasing it throughout this whole episode. You've got a new job. This is a humongous uh, gift for Stacker. I can totally, totally just having this conversation and you explaining 
more about Stacker, I can see the alignment. You know, like it just seems like a perfect fit for you. Tell us what you'll be doing there, and congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I like I said, I didn't know what Stacker was when they reached out to me. I was kind of blown away by their model. So I'm the head of marketing. Very excited about it. Uh, Stacker, like I said, they're basically a data-driven news site and a syndication network as well. So they're kind of like the AP or Reuters. I see. That, that kind of makes <laughs> the, the comparison kind of helps people figure out what it is. Um, but they focus on data-driven stories. So whereas like the AP is breaking news, which almost nobody has time for, even newsrooms struggle with that. Uh, and like Reuters is more financial. This is more, you know, public general interest, uh, data-driven stuff. So they've been doing that for a few years and they have they get millions of views now on their site and through their syndication networks. But just in the last year, they built out their brand side, so Stacker Studio. And that's going to be my focus, and that's where there has been a lot of tie-ins with the past part of my career, which is brands. And we, we're, we've been talking about this, Mark, like, how do you do this when you don't have the resources? And what they've essentially done is turn this into, like, a newsroom as a service, wow. which was fascinating to me. <laughs> they didn't start this company thinking, we're going to, you know, be link earners or do any of that. They are a trusted media company, like media company and syndication network. And they realize that if they partner with brands and they do things with a strict editorial process, not letting brands kind of decide what they're going to talk about or be really sponsored or just brands that fundamentally have an interest in journalism, that they can partner together and create really interesting data sets and stories that can syndicate out. So uh, it's been really interesting to see this intersection of marketing and journalism done so well, because I think it's something that this, that both industries have really struggled with for a long time. Um, so I'm very excited. I'm literally in my third week. So <laughs> uh, wow, it's, it's yeah, pretty but, new, but. So, you know, I can't ask you like all about the intimate details of everything in the company after three weeks. <laughs> uh, you know, the, your, I, I mentioned your speech. I have to link to it. I mean, is it really one of the best speeches at MozCon, which is saying something you're really talented as a speaker, and I hope you'll be out with this new job. Will it allow you to be at conferences and give presentations? Yes, and I love that part of my job. That means a lot to me that you said that. That was my first MozCon. I was thrilled. <laughs> that was a big career high for me. And yes, I will definitely continue speaking. I. It's not uh, something that... I really wanted to ever give up because not only does it, I just love speaking, as you can tell, I kind of can just like ramble on forever. Uh, but you meet so many people when you do. I mean, I, I talked to Greg at PubCon, right? Like you meet so many people at these events and learn so much from the other speakers. And even when I give a talk and hear the feedback from that talk and hear what people, what questions they have and what interests they have, it's all so fascinating to me. So yes, hopefully I will continue to be on that circuit. Uh, I, I'm speaking at State of Search in November virtually, so uh, we'll see what's on the horizon for 2022, and hopefully more in-person stuff is back, because I miss that as well. Well, I'll see you at State of Search. Uh, you know, it, it is virtual, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see each other in person soon. Amanda, if people want to connect with you, what's your favorite social media? What's your favorite way to do that? Sure, Twitter. <laughs> so, uh, I'm on Twitter a lot. Uh, Melanda, M-I-L-L-A-N-D-A. 
I'm also on LinkedIn. Just search me under Amanda Milligan. My email, if you want to reach out to me directly, is amilligan at stacker.com. And yeah, if you want to check out Stacker, it's studio.stacker.com if you want to see the brand side. Or stacker.com if you just want to check out the news side. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions. If you have questions about my MozCon presentation and the stuff I did at Fractal, like either I can answer those or I can direct you to people over there. They're, I still, I mean, that company is near and dear to my heart. Uh, anything related to content, uh, SEO, link building, all of that, happy to chat about. Well, awesome. And yeah, congratulations to Stacker. This is a big, this is a big get for them. I, I think you're perfectly aligned for what they need. And uh, I'm really excited to see what happens next. They've, they've got a fan. So Amanda, thanks so much for coming on. I'm going to give you like a virtual cheers and uh, hopefully we can connect in person sometime. Keep up the good work. And uh, for everybody listening, we'll be back next week with another, with another episode of Southern Search. Thank you so much for having me.